Good morning. We have several announcements this morning. Let me just start off with the pantry items I just noticed. And we're in urgent need of several things that's on that list. So if you would look at the list and let's uh, stock it up. And Lenore, remember that. This morning we have several that are sick, ones we know of offhand. Uh, was, well, what was his name? Eddie, where did he go? Oh, White Bohannon is uh, homesick today. And some of the others we need to think about and pray about are uh, Jeff Burr's mother, Helen, had a double knee surgery, and she's in the uh, rehab at Gallatin, Sumner Regional Rehab Center, and she's doing good. Those at home we have are, Betty Wicks is asking for our prayers and uh, she's had knee replacement. And this is a friend of Bill and Sandy McGuire's. Joanne Broderick, who uh, has been attending here very regularly lately, is, uh, it fell Thursday night and broke her arm. And it's on her bad shoulder side that uh, she's gonna have to have surgery on too. Keep her in your prayers, if you would. I have a very personal friend that's been my friend for a long time. And his name's Bob Cassidy. Probably he lives in Hendersonville. We worked at DuPont together. And uh, Bob, is they've sent him home from the hospital and uh, told him he had days to live instead of weeks. He had COPD and uh, congestive heart failure. If you would keep God in your prayers. The Havel card. Words cannot begin to express our appreciation for the kindness shown to Dad the past year and to our family during his passing. Thank you so much for the prayers, visits, delicious food, cards, and the beautiful African. It has all meant so much to us, the George Williams family. There are a lot of uh, upcoming events in the month of March. And if you would get you a bulletin, there's a couple still left in February. Your bulletin and look at the upcoming events. I'm not going over all of them today. There's a lot of them. And we need to come and be happy, come and be a part of the Happy Hearts Luncheon on February the 19th at 11.30 a.m. in the Annex. The theme is Love Food. So bring your favorite dish. We will eat, fellowship, hear a lesson from James Shockley. And then we have the uh, attention 
Timothy Dorcas class. It's a uh, Sunday afternoon in noons S pool, and uh, it's uh, tailored to help boys learn how to participate in all aspects of the uh, worship service. And the Dorcas class is aimed for girls to instill the desires to serve others and Jesus as Jesus teaches. All boys and girls are invited to this. Please sign up on the sheet in the foyer. And if you're interested in helping, see Linda Merrick or Derek Perdue. The services at the bridge will be canceled this week and will and we'll resume upon further notice. This is to help prevent sickness among the patients and guests. After the morning church worship service next Sunday, there will be a meeting for all the women who are involved in preparing food for the sick and shut-in. This is also for anyone else who would like to be a part of this great work. So ladies, there you are. Fourth Sunday fellowship meal, February 25th. Great way to fellowship and get to know our brothers and sisters in Christ. Zone 2 will be in charge of the setup and cleanup. We have a lot of people on the prayer request list, and uh, if you'll get your bulletin, you can go over them. I think I've got about everything. Did I miss anything you know of? Glad to see Danny Raglan back after some surgery. Okay. Those men who are serving this morning are Derek Dew will be our song leader, Justin York for our prayer. Todd Doris will have the reading before Matt's sermon. Matt Miller will be the sermon. And Roman Fleming has the closing prayer. Are there any other announcements I've missed? And we'll turn it over to Jerry. I do have one quick concerning the youth. Next Sunday following morning services, we'll have a very quick and brief meeting with all the parents and all the youth from kindergarten all the way up. So if you have a child, uh, please stay for that meeting following Sunday services, uh, Sunday morning next Sunday. Our first song this morning will be, Lord, We Come Before Thee Now. <clears throat> and if it's convenient for you, I ask you to stand, please.
Supper, we'll sing How Deep the Father's Love.
taken from 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And the thoughts? This verse says, according to the abundance and mercy of God, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It says we have a hope of an uncorruptible inheritance. That means heaven is incorruptible. Things won't get old there. Things won't get old and decay and die. And it says it will be undefiled. That means that there will be no sin there. Can you imagine what a place that will be there where no sin will be allowed to exist? And it says that it does not fade away. In other ways, it will last forever. This is reserved in heaven for us. All this will be available for Christians when Jesus returns. This morning we observe the Lord's Supper to remind us of all these things. Heaven awaits us when Jesus returns. Will you bow as we give thanks for the bread? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this time that we can stand before this table and to partake of this bread which represents that broken body of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that as we partake of this, that we will do it in a way that is well-pleasing in your sight. And this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
let's also pray for the fruit of the, the fruit of the vine. Lord, we come before you now in, in a like manner. We also come to you to thank you for the, the sacrifice of Jesus, but for this, the fruit of the vine that, that commemorates the blood that was shed on the cross to save us from our sins. We pray that we would also take it in a pleasing manner, and that you would be with us as, as we go through this commemoration. In his name we pray. Amen. now bow with me for the offering. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for the blessings that you provide for us each and every day. And Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to give back to you. And we pray, Lord, that, that this will be used to spread the, your kingdom and, and to always to be, for us to have your son in our mind to be able to talk to others about him. Pray for this in Christ's name. Amen.
song before the prayer will be light the fire. I stand to praise you, but I fall on my knees. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. Like the fire. God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thanking you so much for allowing all of us to be able to be here as families and to be able to love you and to be able to know that the brother Matt's going to be bringing his lesson to us and we pray that it's in spirit and truth and we pray that we'll have our hearts open and to be able to take of it, to be able to spread it as others, Father, and bring them to you and to thank you so much for allowing us to be able to be in this church building to know that we're here with the Bible, the truth, and the love, and everything that you've shown us, Father, that it's in front of us. We just have to obey it and to, to follow it, and we, we thank you so much for the Bible. We thank you for allowing us to be able to, to read it and to spread it. We pray that you'll forgive us for our sins. We pray that you'll continue loving us as you always have, and we love you, and we pray that you'll be with the ones that have been on our prayer list and to might be sick, that might have lost loved ones, and we pray that you'll be with them. We lift it all up to you and put it in your hands. We pray your will will be done, and we, we thank you for allowing us to be able to ask you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm before our reading and Matt's lesson will be, Our God, He is alive. And if it's convenient for you, I ask you to stand, please. There is beyond the azure blue
Scripture reading this morning will come from Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Uh, continue to pray for the kids at camp. They're at camp right now, and Derek's, I told Caitlin, one day she's going to have a baby. <laughs> we don't know what day that is, but the one day that baby's going to come. So I know Derek couldn't be there, and I know he's wanting to. And and they, uh, we went and saw, me, Carrie, and Luke went and saw them yesterday, and they're wanting to run and play, and it's pouring rain. So... Ronnie Durrett's keeping everybody straight, Brenda, so don't worry. No worries about that. But it's uh, been a, a good time for them so far, and just continue to remember them in prayer. This morning, I want to continue the series we started, not last week, but the week before, on the seven churches of Asia. And if you're a guest here this morning, you are our honored guest, and we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you'll come back and worship with us Anytime. We love visitors and we love for you to be here with us. But I want us to start in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And we're going to look at the church at Smyrna. And I want to give just a little bit of background on Smyrna and then we'll get into the lesson. Of all the cities of Asia, Smyrna was the loveliest. The nickname for Smyrna was the crown or the flower of Asia. It, it, the city itself, it, it set back, it was on the harbor, but it set back and it extended through some foothills. And then behind the city, there actually was a mountain's uh, little range around it, and the temples and the buildings were built around it, and it sort of actually looked like a crown itself. Uh, Smyrna was famous for its worship to the spirit of Rome. In 195 B.C., they erected a temple to the goddess Roma. It was basically... This, the spirit of Rome and the way that their government worked and it was kind of the way that uh, they protected the city. It was just the total aspect of the spirit of Rome and the way they did things. And because of that, they erected a goddess. They made a goddess up and named it Roma. And this is really where the, the worshiping of the Caesars came about, uh, really powerful. And, you know... It came to this wording, uh, Caesar is Lord. And as you can see already, there was a struggle or a conflict between Christians and this city because Caesar is not Lord, amen? Caesar is not the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in depth in just a minute. But the Jewish nation was also numerous in this city, and they were very influential the, uh, it was said that they had contributed 10,000 
denarii for the beautification of the city. They were very interested in how the city looked and they wanted to contribute and have uh, a say in the things that were built and how they looked. So you not only had people who worshiped Caesar, but you had the Jews in this city and you already know the struggle between Christians and Jews at that time. It was very hostile environment for Christians. Very hostile. They, uh, Polycarp, history says, died in Smyrna. And I want to just tell briefly about uh, the story of Polycarp. When he was arrested, his accusers pleaded with him. He was an older man, and, and they said, uh, What harm is it uh, to say, Lord Caesar, and to sacrifice and save yourself? And the governor said, Just say this, and I'll release you. And Polycarp responded this way, For 86 years I have served Jesus, and he never once wronged me. How shall I blaspheme my king who saved me? Man, what's encouraging words, huh? Under hostile conditions. And here we go into this church. One of the most encouraging things about this church is there was no rebuke from Jesus. He had no rebuke for them. All he had was encouragement. Let's read it. And the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What can we learn from this letter? Could you imagine, and Eric did a lesson on this a while ago, if Fountainhead received a letter from Jesus? What would it say? What would the Lord tell us? Would we have a rebuke? Would we be doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing? You know, those in Smyrna were facing tribulation. They were facing suffering. They were poor They were about to be thrown into prison. Those don't sound like two exciting times if you think about it. Brethren, what kind of times do we live in? Do we live in these types of situations? And how do we act? How is our loyalty to the Lord? What a hard life they must have faced. What a hard life and what tough situations they had to deal with every single day. But what a blessing. What an uplifting thought to receive no rebuke and a letter from the Christ. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine actually getting the letter from Jesus? Paul understood this point. Did those in Smyrna understand the point? 
Do we understand this point, that therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Satan was on the attack. He was trying his best to discourage the saints and to turn their backs on the Lord. He was trying to crush them. He says, it's not worth it to follow the Lord. Look at the situations that you're in. Look at the times that you're going through. Look how poor you are. But the Lord wanted them to realize that they were not weak, but they were strong. You know, verse 9 says, but you are rich. We all understand the concept of being rich, don't we? Jesus says, I know your works, I know your tribulation, and I know your poverty, but you are rich. He gives some things for them to consider, and I'd like to talk about them uh, this morning. Some things for them to take into battle as they were dealing with these tough and unbelievable circumstances. It's just hard for me to grasp. It's hard for me to understand what they were actually going through. Death was at their door at every step, at every moment, at every comment. They were almost going to be put in a situation that they did not want to be in, no matter where they were at, no matter what they were doing. But the Lord sends them a letter. He wants them to know who they serve. He wants them to know that their faithfulness is not unnoticed. And he wants them to know that what they were doing was worth it. What an application for us, brethren. Who did they serve? Who did these Christians in Smyrna serve? What's so beautiful about this intro that Jesus does? Look at verse 8. It says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write. And then he says, these things says the first and the last. Who was dead and came to life. Don't miss this. Don't just skip by this and hurry up and, and try to get on to the next congregation. No, think about what he says. The first and the last, the one who was dead and the one who came to life. See, when Jesus uses this first and last talk, he's talking about the eternal God. He uses it in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. He uses it in Revelation 22, verse 13. He says, I am the first and I am the last. And he says it with no hesitation. See, in Isaiah 44, 6, listen to this. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, Yahweh, Jehovah. He says, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 12 says, I am he. I am the first. I am the last. What are you trying to do, Matt? What are you trying to set up? What are you trying to establish? Remember who he's writing to, people who were struggling. Caesar was overpowering them. The Jews were telling them that what they were doing was a lie. 
He says, no, the one you serve is not just some ordinary man. The one you serve isn't some superhero Zeus that you made up. It's not some Hercules that you made up and you worship. No, the king that you serve is not an idol. The king that you serve is from everlasting. Catch it, everlasting. Colossians 1.15 tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. And you don't have to turn here, but Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8 give a great description of who Jesus is. It says, being in the form of God, he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He became a bondservant, and he humbled himself, and he became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. And when Jesus resurrected, when Jesus came back to life, verses 9-11 says that he has become the highly exalted one. That he is the name above every name. And catch this one. A lot of catches today. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Brethren, friend, whatever. One day you will stand before the Lord and you will confess his name. You will confess that he is the Lord of all. How encouraging is that to somebody facing tough situations? How is, that, uh, some, how is it that somebody who is in these unbelievable circumstances has a king who reigns over all? Shouldn't we feel the same way? That's our Savior. That's our King. That's our Lord. What else? Was their faithfulness unnoticed? They were faithful to this Lord. They were faithful to this man despite the situations that they were going through. Look at what Jesus says. Revelations 2 verse 9. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Jesus knows. I see everything. Whether we want to hide and act like we can get away with these secret sins, whether we want to play like we're Christians on Sunday, Sunday night and Wednesday, whether we want to do things uh, half-heartedly, however we want to do it, however we want to live, I can't be your judge and I can't get you straight. Only you can, but God sees it all. That's a scary thought. And a humbling thought, really. 
No matter what you try to hide on your phone, uh, whatever it is, in the car, whatever you're listening to, whatever you're watching, Jesus sees everything. He says, I know. He saw their tribulation. And that Greek word right there, it means affliction or pressure. It means a pressing together. You ever had a pressing issue in your life? Something that you was dealing with and it just was on you all the time? All the time. No matter where you went, no matter if you went to work, no matter if you went to the store, no matter whatever it was, this situation was always on you. That's how those Christians in Smyrna were. They couldn't go to the parties at the temple because it was against God's will. They couldn't go and be a part of the Jewish things because that wasn't what God wanted them to do. They couldn't say that Caesar was Lord. They couldn't do all of these things and therefore they isolate themselves more and more. No wonder they didn't have no money. Them people in Smyrna didn't want to mess with no Christian. They were weirdos. Brethren, people in the world think that we are weirdos. If you don't think that, they do. You're not doing that. What? You ever heard that? Oh, I can't do that. Why not? Because I'm a (laughs) Christian. Really? (laughs) You're a Christian? Okay. My bad, right? You know, I talked to... uh, this is just kind of a side that me and Dwayne was talking about it. And, and you know, I, I really think that this statement is true. Why do preachers' kids a lot of the time act really terrible? Because the jokes always come at them like that, right? Oh, you're the preacher's kid. We can't do it around the preacher's kid, right? We don't want to, you can't, we know you're out of this. And what happens? The preacher kid says, you know what? I'm going to do it because I can. The world thinks we're weird. But the Lord says, I know what's going on. And you ain't weird. You're rich. You may be poor physically, but you are rich spiritually. There was a tremendous amount of pressure being put on these Christians. Not to mention they had no money. You know how it is when you don't have any money, right? Y'all ever been in that situation where you didn't know where the the next bill was, how it was going to get paid? You don't know how you're going to get some clothes for the kids. You don't know all the least things. You know how that feels? That has to be a stressful time. But remember, there is no rebuke from Jesus to these brethren. It's an amazing thing. Here's the question. Do we have to suffer persecution in order for us to be able to not receive a rebuke? God has blessed us. You remember over and over in the story of the Bible, all the times that God redeemed Israel, pulled them out of a situation, put them in a promised land that was filled with milk and honey. And what would they do? They would turn their back. I use this example so many times, but it is so powerful to me. We know what you're saying, Jeremiah. We know what you're saying, but we ain't going to do it. 
We're going to do whatever we want. The Lord says that he sees their works, and even though they had very little, they were rich because they had Yeshua. They had Jesus. Isn't that true for us today, brethren? Isn't that true for us today? No matter what we go through, no matter the hard situations that we have in our lives, the Lord is with you. He's with you. There wasn't any hope for these people. The only thing that they had to hope for, the only step that they had to take next was going to be put in prison and maybe die. But there was no rebuke. They remained faithful to the king. What an encouraging thing. Revelations 2 verse 10 says this, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. The literal translation of that means fear nothing. If you had to answer the question, is that true for you today? When you face those situations in life, when those tough times come, where do you turn to? Do you turn to yourself or do you turn and draw closer to the Lord and say, you know what, I will fear nothing. Any of the things that you're about to suffer. I love 1 Peter 5. Verses 6 through 11. It says this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings, are, same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who calls us his eternal, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Look at what verse 10 back in, uh, in the context says. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Could you imagine receiving a letter and saying, you know what, you're about to be put in prison so you'll be tested How strong is our faith? How strong is our faith in the king? How strong is our faith in the one who delivered us from a mess? When we face those tough times, when they come up in our face and we lose sight of reality sometimes and we just don't know what to do, where do we put our faith? They received no rebuke. Their faith was in the Lord. I know we have tough things going on in this congregation. 
I know tough situations are going on in this congregation right here. But brethren, be encouraged by this letter. You can do the right thing and Jesus will not give you a rebuke. You can be successful. But does it have to come at the cost of persecution? You know, persecution keeps you on your toes, right? Because you're ready to get mad at God. You're ready to be upset with God. You're ready to have all those emotions towards him. And you know what? God is big enough to handle any of your situations. Because I would much rather Isaac come and get on to me and say all those things to me because guess what? We're in communication. Because once he gets done with that, I'm going to be able to be there with him. I'm going to be able to be there to help him. But when everything is good, when everything is calm, what do we do? We just relax. We just go through life. Eh, I'll go. Eh, I won't. Eh, read my Bible. Eh, pray. Eh, right? Never let up. There's, a, there's the concept of never letting up. They never had the ability to let up. They were just faced with it all the time. Do we keep ourselves in that situation? Because when it's good and we're able to grow and grow spiritually, boy, what light do we shine in that, right? Because we are optimistic to think about other people. We are optimistic about giving more. We are optimistic about going and telling people the truth. When we're in the tough situations and we're dealing with that situation, when other brethren are at a good place and point in their life, they come to your aid. Man, it works so great. Resist him. Be steadfast. Fear nothing. If you don't get anything else out of this lesson, let me tell you this. Satan is going to pretend like he's real big. He's going to pretend like he can bite real hard. But let me tell you something, brethren. Fear nothing. Our king is big. Our king is strong. And our king don't lie. What does he tell them? Why are you doing this? Am I just setting you up? Do I just want you to sit there and suffer for nothing and just say, see, look at these guys listening to me? No, no. Why should they not fear? Because of their reward. Eddie read a little bit about it during the Lord's Supper. The last thing to consider is to remain faithful. Revelations 2 at uh, 10, at the last part of that, it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. In verse 11, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear. You know, it's kind of comical. I think about this. You remember in the garden, Peter cut off dude's ear, and he says ear. So you don't have to have two ears to hear, right? As long as you got one on, you can still hear. Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And here's, here's a huge point. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. These Christians were about to be thrown in prison. 
they were about to be tested and tried for what they believed and who they followed. The Lord sends them a letter and tells them what is about to happen and what they need to do to make it through. What do they have to do? Be faithful. Brethren, I know you got tough things going on. I know that it sometimes seems like it's too much to bear. But let me say this. Be faithful. It's worth it. One day, it will absolutely be worth it. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was, uh, he asked uh, the disciples standing there, he says, uh, who do people say that I am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some even say Jeremiah, and some say uh, one of the prophets. And Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, after Jesus says that uh, flesh and blood couldn't have told you this, Peter, but my Father who's in heaven, he says this, and I also say to you, uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And this is what I want you to look at. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. It's appointed for man to die once and face the judgment. Whether we like it or not, whether you think it's true, everybody will die at some point. And then it's time for judgment. But Jesus Christ said that my church those who belong to my body will prevail over death. <laughs> prevail. You remember 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm just about done. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 and 58. So when these, uh, this corruptible has put on incorruption, when my corruptible body becomes incorruptible, and when my mortal uh, body becomes immortal, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through Him. Paul ends that chapter with verse 58, a verse I quote almost all the time. And, and, and I don't care. I love it. I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to be encouraged by it. And I want you to as well. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren. Paul loved the brethren, and I love you too. 
And I know you love me. And I know you love everybody here. So preach this to each other. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that what you're doing, knowing that your labor, knowing that your perseverance, knowing that your struggles, knowing those things that aren't going just the way they need to go, are not in vain when you do it for God's glory. When you handle those situations as God wants you to handle them. Nobody else may be watching. Nobody else may even care and you think I'm all in it by myself. You're not. Jesus said, I know you. What you're doing is not in vain. So the question for today is this as we close. He who has an ear, let him hear. If you want to beat the second death, be faithful until death. Be faithful your whole life. Serve him with gratitude. Serve him with thankfulness. Serve him with a kind of appreciation that you would show for somebody who saved your life. Because he did. He died on a cross. But he rose again. To set the example of what we'll do one day. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to be in that place? Where there's no tears. There's no sorrow. Where there's only joy. And there's only worshiping in the presence of Jesus Almighty. The eternal God. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you're tired of living a fake life. Maybe you're here and you've tried to do the right thing and maybe you just aren't doing what you need to do and you need to repent. Hey, don't be ashamed. Why? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what you and God are about to do. You're about to ask for forgiveness from the guy who can give you it and wants to. Don't be embarrassed to come forward and think somebody's going to talk about you. If you need prayers, if you need to be comforted, whatever you need, don't be ashamed to do that. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Friend, I don't know why you'd wait. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of the body of Christ. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Saved. <laughs> you know what it means to be saved if you're falling off a cliff and somebody throws you the rope and pulls you up? That means you're saved from falling off. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if you stand in front of the Lord one day and you're judged on your deeds and you have not been forgiven of your sins and washed by the blood of the Lamb, you will not be in heaven. What a dangerous thought. What a scary thought. Don't wait. Don't put it off. You could be forgiven and added to the body. In Acts chapter 2, it says, Those who gladly received the words of Peter and the apostles on the day of Pentecost were baptized and they were added to the body right then. Don't wait. Come right now. Together we stand and sing.
Sylvia is coming forward. She's got some uh, things going on in her lives and life, and not bad, not things that she's done that she needs to repent of, but she's just got some tough situations that are going on, and she needs our prayers. She needs us to wrap our arms around her and love her, and she needs us to take her name to the throne of grace. So let's do that. Let's be those kind of people. Let's be those people that care about our brethren and take some time and take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on somebody else and, and, and bow and, and ask the Lord to be with her and her family and Chris. I know Chris is uh, a great help to her and, and a strength to her. But let's pray for her and let's love on her. Eric, will you pray for her? Pray with me, please. Father, we're thankful for the day. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to be here, and we're thankful that we have the opportunity to sing praises to you, to study from your word to encourage one another and to fellowship with one another as well. And Father, we're thankful this morning for Sister Sylvia and, and her commitment to you. She trusts you. She loves you. And Father, that's a great example for the rest of us as well. We pray that you will bless her, give her comfort, give her strength in the things that are troubling her, we know that Chris is there and he's a, he's a great source of strength for her. But Father, she needs more. She needs all of us and she especially needs you. And we pray this morning that you will do that for her, that you will lessen the load that she's bearing. And we pray, Father, that she will feel that comfort and that peace and that she'll see her way through these times of trial. Father, be the rest of us as well. We know that there are many more this morning who are hurting. And Father, you know what their troubles are. We ask that you would love them, that you would comfort them, and you'd give them that peace. Father, help them to stay committed to you. And Father, we, do, we all love you, and we thank you so much for Jesus and the sacrifice he made for each one of us. Help us, Father, to be more committed to you today than we have been in the past. Again, we love you so much and thank you for all that you've given us and all that you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Are there any other announcements that need to be made? Yes.
will stand as we sing a closing song and have our closing prayer. <clears throat> My only hope is you, Jesus, my only hope is you, from early in the morning till late at night, my only hope is you, my only bow with me please dear lord we come before you now thanking you for this wonderful day that you've given to us that we've been able to come together to sing songs of praise to your name to learn much from your word both from bible study and from the lesson today lord if you would please be with us and let us be able to take the things that we've learned and let us be able to use the examples that have been given to us today and let us be able to apply them to our everyday walks of life that way we can Get that crown of life that you've so richly promised us with. Lord, if you would please be with all those who are sick and have lost loved ones, especially be with Brooklyn as they've brought it to our attention that she is home and sick. And Please be with all of those other people that are suffering from colds and flus and, and all of our other afflictions. Please, Lord, also let us be able to endure the tribulations that will come to us in our lives and be able to lean on you and on our brother in his strength. And Lord, if you would please forgive us of our many sins for we often are weak and fall short in your sight. And please be with us as we go throughout the rest of this day. Let us be able to learn much from your word and keep us safe and in your care always. In Christ's name we pray, amen. <clears throat>